All right, hey folks, uh, this is the last week in our series, Razzle Dazzle. It's also our last week in John 6. It's also the last week I'm coming to you from my house. Um, anyway, we have been in the midst of a, a, a super important conversation. Um, it's also a pretty uncomfortable conversation. Uh, we've been talking about uh, the possibility of being a false apprentice or a false disciple. And, and Jesus' frequent teaching that, that um, many people will stand before him on judgment day, believing fully that they are followers of Jesus, only to find out um, that they aren't. Now, uh, let's talk about the obvious with that, which is, um, that is absolutely terrifying. Um, and listen, you got to hear me on this. Uh, there are few things that I hate more than scare tactics. And I, I want to assure you now that that is not what I'm doing. Um, and that's not what Jesus was doing when he taught about the 10 bridesmaids or the house built on sand or the sheep and the goats or the wheat and the weeds. And, uh, and even when he said more directly, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, that wasn't fear tactics. Jesus didn't do fear tactics, but, but sometimes the truth is just scary. Um, and he always told the truth. Uh, fear tactics are about manipulation, um, but warnings of real danger are just about loving people well. Um, and look, I'll be honest, I, it, it has been my inclination over the years to, to shy away from the warnings. Um, but the result of that at times has been to fail to do the loving thing, which is, which is sometimes to warn of danger. Um, sometimes it's, it's my job to sound the alarm and I will confess to you, uh, freely. I, I'm not, I'm not very good at that. Um, I'll also admit to you that, that leaning into this really hard subject these last few weeks was genuinely the result of I, like Jesus twisting my arm pretty hard. Um, but I'll, I'll share that story with you at, at the end. Um, for now, uh, let's look at our text because as we work our way again through John chapter six, what we're going to see is there are at least uh, five kinds of false apprentices that we can see right there in the text. And I'm, I'm going to run through them quickly. Um, I'm actually going to run through them way too quickly. I'm about to do like a five part series in just a few minutes. Um, and so you, you, you got to stay with me because, because, um, it's your job to see if any of these apply to you. Um, so uh, first we have the ones who followed the crowds. Uh, so in, in verses 22 to 25, um, the, the, the crowds are like literally hunting for Jesus, like searching for clues to find him. Huge crowds. But by verse 66, virtually all of them had deserted him. Um, here's the thing. Lean in. This might be you. Uh, if you follow the crowds to Jesus, then you'll follow the crowds away from Jesus. That's just the way it goes. Uh, and, and, and this is a particular danger right here in the Bible Belt where uh, waving the Jesus flag here puts you in the majority. In most cases, that's a social win. Um, but I want to warn you um, that this will soon be changing, if it hasn't already, actually. Um, uh, more than a handful of Christian beliefs are already already in the minority, even here. And increasingly, hear me, 
increasingly the, the Bible Belt South will go the way of the Northeast and the West and Europe and so on. Um, we're rapidly becoming post-Christian. So listen, I say it because I love you. <laughs> if you followed the crowds to Jesus, you should know that the crowds, even in this town, are beginning to disperse. And if your faith is not genuine, it will get exposed. Uh, like, like if you're in it to fit in, then, then you're in danger. That's the first one that we see in the text. Um, here's the second one. Um, there are those who, who come to Jesus for the miracles, um, for the benefits of following him. And we see that here in verse two, a huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs. They were there for the signs. And then again in verse 26, Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understand the miraculous signs. So they were in it. They were in it for the treats. Uh, here's the thing. Truly following Jesus, I can't overstate this, it, it, it will flood you with blessings of peace and joy and victory. But here's the thing. The ones who come to him for those reasons, the ones who seek his hand, what he can give and not his face, who he is, they've come to him for the wrong reasons. And the bless, I want to be clear, the blessings are more real than, than we even know. And, or I could even say, but the thing is, and we just can't skip this, it's hard to follow Jesus. It takes sacrifice. It brings persecution. Jesus said that we have to lay down our lives, that we have to take up our cross and follow him. And if we don't, we're not worthy of him. And, and if you come for the treats, here's the thing. If we come for the treats, we'll bail when things get hard. And then we'll get razzle-dazzled into thinking that that one time that we walk down the aisle will do the trick. That's the second one. All right, number three is a bit more direct. Um, number three is the political agenda. So we find this in verse 15. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. Um, the thing is they wanted to follow Jesus because in him they saw hope for political victory. Um, I know our political climate is nuts, guys, but like political power is so intoxicating for some people. And the fact is, Jesus, to this very day, is being used on all sides. He's being used for political gain. But, and you, ha you, ha you have to see this. He is just, he's infinitely above all of that. He's so far above it. Jesus is the end. He is not the means to an end. Jesus, listen, he doesn't support your political views. He shapes your political views. I, I, here's the thing. I mean this sincerely. I truly, genuinely do not care which of our two political parties you tend to lead toward uh, one way or the other. But I care deeply that Jesus is the one. Jesus and his word are the ones that are controlling your politics because because Jesus and his word are supposed to control everything. And if we see him as a means to a political end, then we've come to him for the wrong reasons and that puts us at real risk. All right, number four. That was number three. Here's number four. Um, number four is the extremely devout. Um, the extremely devout. Um, 
there are plenty of folks, this one's kind of tricky, there are plenty of folks who approach Jesus um, and they, or faith in general, and they come with their guilt. And as a result, they work very, very hard to please him. Um, but in that, they work so hard, they're so obedient, but they never really accept what Jesus said the gospel was. And so I wanna, I, I wanna really read to you, um, if I can find it here, verse, yeah, verse 29 of our text. Listen closely. This is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one that he has sent. Um, listen, there are people who are so religious and they work so hard. Um, but for them, it's not about gratitude that they have been forgiven. It's about fear that they won't be forgiven. And what that means is that they never really believed and accepted the true gospel, which is the, go- hear me, the gospel of grace. And, and that's actually how you end up um, with what Jesus warned us about. And again, this is Matthew 7, 22 and 23. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Um, listen, if you, if you know about working for Jesus, listen, but you don't know about the joy of having Jesus as a friend and, and the peace that comes with knowing that you're his child, then I, I don't want to tell you, you, you must believe the real gospel, the real gospel, which is the gospel of grace. Guys, in, in, in John 6, it's revealed that one of the 12, one of the 12 isn't legit. And they've been daily walking with Jesus, saying and doing all the stuff, but all the stuff didn't amount to it being real because they didn't embrace, ultimately, the gospel of grace. That's number four. Um, and here's number five. Uh, number five is Pascal's wager. Um, uh, in the 17th century, a uh, brilliant guy named Blaise Pascal, and he made a simple argument, and I'm, I'm going to summarize it in my, in my own words. Okay. He basically says this. He says, you know what? If all of this, uh, all this Bible stuff is actually true, then we had better believe in it, um, and then we'll be glad when we die, right? But he adds, if it's not true, well, then if it's not true, then we're all just worm food anyway. So who cares? Like, it doesn't matter what we believed in when we were alive. So he says, logically, why not just believe? Because if you're right, you'll be glad. And if you're wrong, it doesn't matter anyway. So if you can choose to believe or not believe, then go ahead and believe because, because there are no um, consequences of belief, but there might be huge consequences to unbelief. And so that makes it clearly the safer bet. Just believe. Um, <laughs> that's logical. But the, the thing is that that approach just flies in the face of Jesus's teaching, especially here in John chapter six, where he says he's our food. He's our everything. He again, back to last week, he's not a hedge. He will hedge your bets. It's all or nothing. And, and if your approach is mm, better safe than sorrow, you know, why not sort of lean into this? What could it hurt? Um, the fact is, if that's the case, you're missing the point of real life with Jesus because you've never really committed to him, which means you'll never really obey him. And the fact is, you've actually made the most dangerous bet. And here's what I mean, and please don't miss this, it's important. There is no more dangerous place to be than to think that you've turned to Jesus when you really haven't. 
And that's a fact. Now, Pascal, back to him, he was a genius. And so he actually understood that all along. And he ended up giving some great advice. And again, I'll summarize it. kind of goes like this. He says, if the best that you can do is to start trying to choose to believe, then fine, do that. But then, he's very clear about this, but then you gotta really go. Like, you gotta really pursue faith. And he says, if you're gonna do that, even as an experiment, then experiment, go for it. Try to believe, but really pursue it. Live it out. Walk with Jesus. Consume, like, consume the scriptures. Immerse yourself in community. Follow, follow, follow. Surrender, surrender, surrender. Trust, trust, obey, obey. Go all in. That's what he said. That was his takeaway. Because he, he understood the words of Moses, this is Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29. He said, from there you will search again for the Lord your God, and if you search for him with all your heart and soul, you will. It's a promise. It's actually a few places in Scripture. You search for him with all you've got, you will find him. And that's really his point. Pascal goes on to explain that if you really dive in, what happens is you'll see how true it is. The fact is a lot of people don't really have the faith to go all in. So what they decide is, is that they're going to hang out around the fin- around the fringes and they're going to kind of go halfway and we'll just see how it comes out. Um, but listen, you got to see this. If you do that, all you will ever experience is mediocrity and never intimacy. And I'm telling you, it's terrible. And you will never, ever know the joy of truly following Jesus. So the... The point is, dive all in. Even if you're struggling with your faith, dive all in. Pursue him with everything you've got. Follow him in every possible way. And then, here's what happens. Then you will taste and see that he is good. And along the way, this this will happen to the disciples, just as they did. You will realize he truly is the son of God. And you'll experience the joy and the victory of truly knowing and following him. So, uh, look, now there's... There's the five kinds of false apprenticeship or false discipleship just in this chapter. And, and look, like I said, I know this is a tough subject for us to dwell on. Um, and as I said before, <laughs> I don't exactly love pushing these buttons. Um, but when I'm wrapping up here, uh, I, let, me, let me just, if I may, give you the backstory to why I'm, I'm hitting this subject as hard as I am. Um, Here's why. On, on September 4th, my, my daily reading uh, took me through Isaiah 27. And y'all, I just, I just had one of those moments um, where the Holy Spirit just came and he highlighted the words on the page. And for me, there was, there was no escaping it. I knew it was the Lord and I knew it was for our church. Um, and I knew... I had to take the first opportunity to share it with you or else I would just be flat out disobedient. So let me go ahead and read you these words. This is Isaiah 27, verses two to five. The Lord says this, in that day, sing about the fruitful vineyard. Now, the fact that it says vineyard here is really just coincidental. That's not what's driving this. A vineyard is a a gathering of his people, a church. In that day, sing about a fruitful vineyard. I, the Lord, will watch over it watering it carefully day and night. I will watch so no one can harm it. My anger will be gone. But he adds this. If I find briars and thorns growing, I will attack them. I'll burn them up. Unless, listen, it's so important. 
unless they turn to me for help. And then he adds this, this repetitive plea. He says, let them make peace with me. Yes. Let them make peace with me. Um, guys, when I read those words, I, I heard as clearly from the Lord as I ever have. And it was that this applies to us, to Vineyard Church. And it's pretty straightforward here, but if you'll keep looking at the text, there, there are three simple ideas in the text. And the first one is that this is a fruitful vineyard. I mean, it, this is really, it's good. You know, he watches over us. He cares for us. He protects us. Um, he delights in us. These are really strong words of affirmation and deep affection from the Lord for us. And I, I, I believe these words of my whole heart. Um, but the second idea is you hopefully keep looking at the text now is that there are briars and thorns in this vineyard. It's just, it's not all fruit. Um, not, not all of us are walking with him. That's just the reality. Not all of us are surrendered to him. And he says it plainly um, that he will attack. They will be burnt up. And that's terrifying, but if we need to see it for what it is. This is a warning of judgment and it must be taken with absolute seriousness. And, and the third statement here um, is actually to those briars and thorns and to those in the vineyard who aren't bearing fruit. And he is extending to them this just unbelievably merciful invitation. He is asking them to turn to him for help. And then he repeats, let them make peace with me. Let them make peace with me. And may we make peace with him. Um, I, 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 will, I will never forget that morning. Um, but I could hear the voice of God crying out for people in our church who, who don't really know him yet. And, and the Lord saying, I could, hear, I could just hear the pleading in his voice. Him saying, I don't, I don't want to burn away those briars and thorns. I want them to turn to me for help. I, I, I want them grafted in. I want them on the vine. I want them to bear fruit. And then the pleading, let them make peace with me. Yes, let them make peace with me. Look, guys, I, some of us have been razzle-dazzled. Um, you know, you just followed the crowd, you know, or maybe you came for the blessings or for the fire insurance or you've, you've hedged your bets and gone in halfway or you've been interested in sideways energy about politics or, or you've gone all in with the rules trying to earn God's favor, or whatever the reason, you know. Whatever the reason, though, like this is the word of the Lord to you, which is to turn to him and make peace with him. Guys, there are, there are so many people who live the frustration of not finding the same joy and victory and peace that so many Christians say they just that just comes with following Jesus. And they go, well, not for me. And if you feel that disappointment because that's not been your experience, then here's the thing. That might be the clearest indication you're ever going to get that you probably never really tasted and seen that he is good, or maybe you have, but then you moved away from being a true apprentice of Jesus, no longer surrendered to him 
in every way. So guys, I love you. So say this clearly as I know how. Surrender to Jesus. Follow him. Follow him with every ounce of your everything. No half measures. No, no hedging your bets, man. Go all in and make true peace with God. And if you have, man, celebrate with all that you've got, that you know that you're a child of God, redeemed and made his deeply beloved by God. But listen, if you haven't, if you've been playing the game, if you've been telling yourself that you're really surrendered, telling others that you're really surrendered, but when point of fact, you're really not, then I, I'm pleading with you. Don't get razzle dazzled. Open your eyes, see it for what it is and truly repent. Turn away um, from the stuff of this world and turn toward him. Don't hedge your bets. Go all in and make true peace with God. He is waiting with open arms, I promise you. Guys, I love you. I hope you'll turn to him with your everything. Amen.